It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to Talent Talk or whatever time of the day it is that you happen to be listening to the show. Welcome and I'm so happy you're here because I have two uh, really fun guests uh, who have been on the show before. Uh, veterans of the show, veterans of podcasts and radio themselves, and it's really exciting to have them on the show to be able to talk through what's kind of new and exciting about what they're thinking about, what they're doing, and I can't wait for you uh, to meet them in a moment. So, uh, you know, the show really is designed around my um, desire, my um, uh, maybe habit or even obsession with talking to smart people who have smart things to talk about and can expose us to new ideas, expose us to things we should be thinking about, suggest new books for us, and maybe give us some inspiration on how to get better, how to maybe make our places of employment, our employees, you know, work in a better environment, whatever it may be, whatever we can take from them, we can steal from their from their uh, really smart brains or their souls, I guess, <laughs> that we can take back to work. That's really why we're here. And so many of the great stories I was able to put in my first book, The Power of Company Culture. Love to have you check that out. Wherever you are in the world, it's on Amazon or Bowl or type it in. I'm sure you can find it somewhere. Um, Talent Talk is live here just about every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We generally record it here live in Costa Mesa, California, or on the road if I'm a uh, you know, traveling. So, but we then turn into a podcast so that you can listen to it anytime you want, but we'd love to always record it live first and then throw it up there on iTunes, or you can even find it on talenttalkradio.com. Um, real important, if you have a question for one of my two guests here today, love to have you pop that into Twitter. Just find at peopleg2. There we are live tweeting right now. Sarah, my social media guru, Sarah Blake, is uh, actively live tweeting. And she'll be tagging the guests uh, in those posts. So if you go there, you can follow it live or you can even follow the hashtag Talent Talk. And that's where you can ask a question. And if you're listening live, we try to feed that into the questions. If you're listening after the fact, that's okay. My guests today are very active on Twitter and they'd be happy to answer the question at any time. So uh, now that I've teased you as much as I possibly can with who's on the show today, let's get to that. Uh, my first guest live in studio will be Dr. Dina Brown, Executive Director of the John Maxwell team, um, as well as an outstanding speaker on leadership. And then I'll bring in another guest in uh, to the studio, Kathy Hammond, who's been on, like I said before. She's now the CEO of SalesFit Staffing Solutions, a little bit of a different uh, job for her than what she was doing last time she was in here. So we're looking forward to catching up with her after the commercial break. But let's go ahead and get moving here with my first guest, uh, Dr. Dina Brown. Welcome. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. So lovely to be here. It's always a pleasure to see you. So thank you for having me as a guest. Always. So uh, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? What should we know about you that's important for us to know? Like, I don't think we need to know what you got for your birthday present on your third birthday. But, you know, what's important for us to know about you today? And, of course, what are you doing now as the executive director for the John Maxwell team? Well, what's important to know about me is that everything that I learned about being a phenomenal leader and a speaker, I learned from being Xavier's mom. And I love to share that (laughs) because he really taught me about patience. He taught me about just a sense of abundance and leader and forgiveness and all of that. And I was able to roll that into my leadership style. And what I'm able to do now is to take that and be able to help leaders lead with confidence and be able to communicate with influence and collaborate strategically so they can realize their optimal goals and their business objectives. Well, it's really interesting that you you brought up your, your son when there because I will say that I often <laughs> tested some of the things that I would learn on my kids first. And if I could find, you know, if it worked on teenagers, right, it seemed to work in the workplace as well, right? Especially with your sometimes more difficult personalities. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, you're also a professional speaker. Uh, and what are some of the topics that you're really passionate about and, and love to speak on? I love to speak about transformational leadership as a whole. And with that, being a transformational leader requires you to also be quite authentic in your leadership. Mm -hmm. And so to me, those two go hand in hand. And when we begin to show up in our authentic space, then we now have the opportunity to have not only um, intentional um, results, but impact, positive impact in our workspaces. So uh, I've been exposed to this uh, a few talks, let's say, in the last, uh, in my travels in the last three or four months. And this, her, I've heard, of, I would say I've run the gamut on on this idea of being your authentic self, yes. right? And, and I've heard some people when they spoke, I'm like, I get it. You make sense. You're, what you're saying is right. And then some other people when they spoke, it was like, this just sounds like an excuse for you to just to keep being the jerk that you want to be. Because they're just saying, well, I'm just being my authentic self. I'm just being me. And I'm going to go around being a jerk to everybody. Because because mm-hmm. I'm they just believe that they're just a jerk at heart or whatever. Right. So how do you how does someone peel back this onion to, right, to really be un- the authentic you without it being like, I guess, railroading over somebody else? I'm so glad you asked that question (laughs) because you're absolutely right, which is why I'm so passionate about what authenticity really actually means. And here's what I actually share when I go in a space in a room is that I love me. And if you do, it's a bonus. Now, here's the part. I've had to go do some work and pull back a lot of those layers and see that what is it that I may be doing that is not really aligned to who I was initially called to be. Not just because I'm a butthole and I want to show up in that particular space and I just want to act and act out with people. And that when people are mean to people, it's because they don't love who they are. Mm -hmm. And that's where you see this disconnect because you can't even love yourself if you don't even know who you are. So you do have to kind of get quiet and begin to focus on that and realize that who am I called to be? I am called to inspire, empower, and transform lives. And so when I make decisions and when I begin to show up and I get to lead and I get to interact with people and I always ask, how am I adding value? And so for me to be authentic in my value add space is that I think of people first, Mm -hmm. but I cannot really think of people first if I don't even know who I am and I'm so caught in this whole miserable space. So I think that is totally a wash when people say I'm being authentic and I'm being mean to people. 
Well, all it means is that you're probably a butthole. That's probably what that means. It doesn't mean that you're an authentic leader. And if you're called to lead, do you lead your children that way? Do you lead your family that way? And guess what? Nine times out of 10, go check their home life. And they are. And they're really just miserable people masquerading as leaders. Yeah. And I know even if you can get past, let's say, that group, then the second group I think that struggles is they show up to be authentic. And maybe now they're just trying to be too much to everybody, right? So you're talking about being there for everyone, right? Um, and I think this is an area that's really hard to do. I, I struggle with a little bit that, you know, you, you can be there for everyone, you can be there for your employees, be there for your family, be there for your friends. And then at the end of the day, go, but is anyone here for me? Wow. Right. Yes. And how do you how do you filter in that I need some of that help too, and be able to tell people that in an authentic way without... You, do you know what I mean? It's a, I feel like every day is like this. Yeah, but you do. You're 100% right. But it's setting boundaries. It really is. But again, first... I was just having a conversation before coming in today with a client. We were talking about, do we actually use our dreams and what we really want as a plan B? Or do we have relentless pursuit of what we're passionate about, what we're called to do? Mm -hmm. And do we truly love ourselves first? Because when you start to make choices about loving yourself first and identifying what it is that you need and you being what you need first, and this even works with your children. Like I said, I'm, I, you know, piloted this with my son is that, yes, I'll make sure that you're fed and you're healthy, you're all of that. But I also need me time to work on me to really I owe that to me. And so I give it to myself first. So I don't expect it from anybody else. If they do give it to me, it's a bonus. And so when I started intentionally operating from that space, that's where the shift begin to occur. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't feel like, wow, they just disappointed me. Well, you know what, you've been disappointing you. That's the problem. So why don't you start showing up for you first and watch other people begin to follow because now you've set the model. And that's what leaders do is right. that they set that tone. And then sort of the last area where I started, I guess, for lack of a better description, hitting my head up against the wall <laughs> a little bit when it comes around this idea, or at least the ideas that people were throwing out there about being your authentic self, right. is at, w at what point, or or maybe you, maybe you don't think this, but I started to see... Um, some some rub between being your authentic self, quote. I'm I'm giving air quotes out there right. for everyone who can't see me, <laughs> and um and and privilege, mm. and whatever whatever that means to whoever. Right, I'm not putting a label on that word, but you have a privilege to be in that position, whatever that means. And do you think it's easier for someone who's in that leadership position, right, who got there? however they got there that was different than somebody else who didn't have the same access to get to that place. Is it easier for them just to walk around and say they're being authentic and all of this, right? They have this sort of, I don't know if it's a gift or sort mm -hmm. of a, a pass to suddenly walk around and act like they're authentic, but it's harder for someone else who, who's struggling just to get to where, to get the mm -hmm. same opportunities that someone else had in that position. Does that make sense? It makes, it makes sense. And it makes sense for a couple of reasons. One, I just watched the Netflix special, Hello, Privilege is me, <laughs> Chelsea. Mm -hmm. And then I also watched the Red Table Talk special that Jada Pinkett Smith did with Chelsea Handler mm -hmm. as well. And in watching that and understanding that and working in this diverse and selectively inclusive environment, I do see that. But at the root of it all is a lack of clarity, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And that we're talking about privilege really what it is for some people is really their scripts. They don't know anything else. Until you make the unconscious conscious, 
then you don't. So them showing up, that that is their authentic self as they know it. That is their truth. But what we have is the juxtaposition when your truth intersects with mine. And now that there's this friction that goes there, which then goes back to who are you? Do you spend that time asking yourself the hard questions? I can agree to disagree with people sometimes right, right. and to do that as well. So did I get to this position and am I entitled? I think that entitlement piece comes into play. And I saw that as a veteran educator and being a school principal. And I had certain people of certain titles and certain stature and certain children who were senior leaders came in and said, well, my child needs to do this because I am Colonel so-and-so. And for me, I just made a decision that whether you were Colonel so-and-so or corn on the cob or corn kernel, you were going to get the same treatment. But that was part of my decision and part of my truth. And again, every person has to answer to himself. So I just kind of start working around that and understanding that and even working with leaders to start to see that because it's like a blinder that they have because mm -hmm. that's all they've known. Right, right. And I think that's kind of, I don't know if that answers your question no, the it, way it, that you yeah, meant, it but it, it, it really does because people are really speaking their truth and mm -hmm. their understanding, which is why I have to be very clear and confident and consistent about the way I show up and how I right. speak mine. I think maybe the rub for me with some of those talks was it was, it seemed very easy for that person to show up and say, you should be authentic because <laughs> I'm authentic. And it's like, yeah, but you, the and I'm not trying to be disparaging or, or tear that person down in any way, but it's easier for you, that person who yes. was talking to have be in that position than it is to just randomly pick somebody oh, else in the room. Yeah. And so they're sort of like telling it. It's like walking around telling everyone you should be happy, right? If you're in a room full of people who had terrible childhoods, and then you walk in had the best childhood ever, and you're like, you should just be happy, right? And just get over it. And right, so there's a sort of missing context. Frame. Yeah, you're right. You're. It's the framework. It really mm -hmm. is. It's the lens that you that you look through. And I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you when you say that people. It's easy for them to think that, okay, this is privilege. Yes, I can be authentic. But then that goes back to their scripts. What's their story? Where's What's the understanding? That mm -hmm. is the life that they know. So what if that was your life? Then you would be doing the same thing. That's why I said that's their truth. Sure. And so it's sure. that intersection. And now we can start to talk about it and we can see where the rub is. And now you can understand me a little bit better and go, oh, okay, well, you don't get that part. And I got it because you didn't live that life. Right. So uh, as we're, this would be kind of a good segue, if we, we sort of take some of the, these ideas and maybe we look deeper into companies, you know, and especially around a culturally inclusive workplace, uh, especially in a workplace that has just so many different generations and pretty soon, maybe actually a little bit less, we may, we must sort of become very <laughs> top heavy in the millennial area here in about 2025, yeah. if, if all the, you know, the studies turn out to be right before we then have another big hit and everyone complains about the next generation. But, you know, what does it sort of, what does it look like? What is an ideal uh, workplace with, with sort of the right inclusion and the right, you know, generational type things look like for you? What that looks like for me is that voices are heard and people are understanding and having open communication around who they actually are. It doesn't mean that every single person is going to get exactly what they want. But can we be open to the idea to think differently and out of the box to making sure that we can address and meet the needs and then have a conscious conversation about what's best and how does that tie into our mission, vision and values as an organization? Mm -hmm. Because those decisions have to be made as well. Is that just because I say I'm authentic? Well, you might be so authentic that you don't really fit here <laughs> and that's OK. You might have a certain um, ideology that doesn't fit here. 
It doesn't mean that you're wrong. It just means that it doesn't fit. So culturally inclusiveness doesn't mean that we have to take everybody um, to be there because we still have an overall mission, vision, and values as an organization, or you should have that. And now you can begin to see what aligns to that. And even where there might be some cognitive dissonance to that. You don't want everybody thinking the same either. Right. Innovation comes from that f- friction. Absolutely. And so you do want to do that. So that sense of awareness about who people actually are, how they show up. I'm a fan of DISC and really kind of doing those assessments to see how we communicate. How do we respond? Do we react more? What what happens? And how do how who do I need to work with? I'm an ID on a disc and I'm pretty very close to the two. So guess what I need on my team? I need some of those S's and those C's, mm-hmm. you know, to do that. But are we building environments that look exactly like us and then wondering why we're stagnant? Right. Because you didn't provide any friction. You didn't provide anything that was different. So cultural inclusiveness is having really diverse thinkers, um, taking the best of each group, each age group, each generational group, each whatever, and saying, what is it that you have, which is your value add? Right. And how can we implement that and include that as part of our overall objective? So I recently did a webinar, and you, anyone who's listening can find it at peopleg2.com slash webinars. It was on diversity, but it was on diversity of thought. Yes. Right? And so how can we meet, how can we think about diversity in a way that's, uh, really, I think practical, I think was one of the challenges for senior leaders is, can they practically do something yes. without it just being, go hire more of X or more of Y right. or whatever, right? Which is just a recipe for disaster, right? Cause it just backfires. <laughs> um, and and so we talked about this. We also talked about strengths finders. Yes. And so one of the, fa- my this is like the best thing we ever did. And I admit this every time it was on total accident, right? <laughs> we did not do this on purpose. We are not this smart. We just found this out on accident, which is we mapped all of our strengths. Because wow. I just wanted to see where are we mm-hmm. strong and where are we strong in each, you know, different teams. Like my research team, they all, every single one of them had responsibility in their top five, which we felt wow. like, that's fascinating, right? That that's a, kind of a good indicator that you might be good at that job if you have that as a strength. Uh, it kind of goes hand in hand. So, but I, then I said, but we have all these strengths that we're missing, mm. right? That we had not a single person <laughs> with analytical, not a single person with belief or whatever. I'm just sort of throwing yes. out some of these strengths. And so I told my managers, I will not even consider someone hiring your next person if they don't have at least one strength in one of the areas we have nothing in. Yes. That was it. Because I just wanted to see what would happen if we got some people who had some different strengths. Well, much to my surprise, again, this was a total accident, the people showing up for these interviews looked different, talked different, acted different. And I never told anyone we're going to go have a diversity and inclusion program. We're yes. going to try. I didn't say, I just said, I want us to hire people who think differently than what we have now. So, so we could get stronger, so we could get better. And it was like, oh, wow. This, we just did something on it <laughs> without trying to do something, right? And so we've been talking about this with a lot of our clients and people, and they've been having the same kind of effect, right? And I don't know how sustainable this is for, you know, maybe larger organizations have to do this it by is. departments and all this, right? But, but for us, it worked really, really well. So it's an intentionality. What I love about what you shared is that it's part of the culture. And you said, here, let's have this conversation. Here's some data <laughs> that mm-hmm. supports this. Here's what our expectations are. And so even though you said, well, it's kind of, we sort of didn't know. It really was an intentionality. But that's a tribute to your leadership. Yeah. <laughs> and to say, we need to have people that think different. And so you set the tone. You set the voice, and that's part of the challenge in leadership spaces now is that the leader, they're saying one thing and doing something else. What would happen 
if their audio and video match like yours, mm-hmm. that those people will become attracted to you. You're now those that you're charged to lead will follow that and you will bring in who you need to elevate your organization. And I think this is probably the maybe one out of like, you know, two total things that I do well. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else, I, everyone else, is, everyone else at the company does well. Um, I just follow them. But um, it's being open to like just to try things. Right. And then see what happens. Right. And so we just keep experimenting and we keep, you know, like nine out of, nine out of ten experiments are just experiments and they fall and they yeah. die and they never come back. But every once in a while we just kind of stumble across these cool things because we're willing to try something new. We're willing to, you know, poke at something or try something different. And I, that, I think that's, I don't know if it's just curiosity or it's... or it's. Um, you're fostering innovation. Yeah. No, that's what you're doing. I, I mean, I study yeah. from a behavioral analysis. This is me gets in my nerd space. Is that what you're doing is actually very powerful because you're now fostering that ability to take those risks, to think differently, to be culturally inclusive, to say, go out there and try it. If it didn't work, we're going to come and do something different. Right. We can always go back and rework that. So you're doing that and you're you're showing up and you're practicing. So you're affirming and you have the action steps to go with it. Right, right. <laughs> works well i can't believe this we're almost out of time here i want to make sure we ask you uh two very important questions the first one is what are you reading right now i am reading john maxwell's leadership i really love this um it's the 11 essential changes every leader must embrace it's one of the most powerful ones of all his leadership books because it really talks about what we need to do now Mm-hmm. to be able to impact that. And one of the quotes, which is my favorite, is people may may honor you for what you did yesterday, but they respect you for what you're doing now. So mm. what shifts are you going to make to own up to what you're doing right now? That's great. And then, of course, the most important question is, is how can people get a hold of you? How can they find out more about you? If they want to work with you, they want to talk with you, they want to... I don't know, hang out with you, whatever. What's the best way for them to find out more? <laughs> you can definitely follow me on all social media platforms at Dr. Dina Speaks, D-R-D-E-E-N-A-S-P-E-A-K-S. And you can reach out to me at info at Dr. Dina Speaks if you are looking for a transformational leader and speaker who can really begin to speak life into your group and help you as a leader lead with confidence, communicate with influence, and collaborate strategically. Oh, that was uh, very well said. So I'm sure they can find you on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. Absolutely. How about MySpace? Are you on MySpace? Oh, no, no, no. no. I no, made no. the shift. You made the shift. All right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being Thanks on the show today. Chris. I really appreciate you coming on. I know that we'll have you come back because you're always a great guest and give us such great things to think it's about. So pleasure. love to have you come back uh, soon. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. I love what, the work that you're doing. All right. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break and we'll bring in uh, Kathy Hammond. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that PeopleG2 offers something different. At PeopleG2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, PeopleG2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. 
That's 800-630-2880 or peopleg2.com. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. In case you missed my first guest, Dr. Dina Brown, you can listen to her interview on the podcast on iTunes or talenttalkradio.com. So it's a good idea to go and subscribe there right now. And then when that show is ready, when we've done all the editing and uh, removing all the ums and, you know, making it sound perfect, uh, it will be uh, up there before you know it. So, But I'm excited to have my second guest uh, back in the studio again, Kathy Hammond, the CEO of SalesFit Staffing Solutions, which is a different company than what she was with before. So excited to find out more about that. Um, and uh, don't forget, as a reminder, we'd love to have you go to Twitter. Uh, excuse me, follow at PeopleG2. And there, Sarah, uh, my uh, social media guru, is live tweeting all of the best little one-liners. And you can follow them, like them, retweet them, comment on them, tell us what we're right, tell us why we're wrong, whatever. We just want to hear from you. So, uh, But uh, Kathy, welcome to the show. Great. Thank you for having me. It's great to be back. Um, so why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, what's important for us to know, and then tell us about your new gig. Okay. Um, well, I, I've um, started a new company, uh, SalesFit Staffing Solutions. Uh, I'm also um, deploying a new platform under another name, uh, Recruit Salute. Uh, SalesFit Staffing, of course, is for recruiting sales professionals for the uh, workforce solutions industry. Uh, Recruit Salute, on the other hand, for that platform is to actually bring together recruiting agencies and uh, employers. Uh, so essentially cutting out the, the salesperson in, in effect. So, um, so, so I'm real excited about both of uh, these new ventures. How are you keeping uh, sort of two ventures you're juggling at the same time? Has that been is that fun or is that a challenge or? Now you know it, it. I mean, it's a challenge, yes, but at the same time, it is a lot of fun, and so it's really not work. You know, it, mm -hmm. it's really it's building something uh, great for for everyone uh, that's involved in it. So so that's what uh, that's what keeps me going with that. <laughs> that's great. Well, so you talked about you're developing this online platform, which. Mm -hmm. As my understanding, will match employers to recruiting agencies to kind of help them expedite the the job placements, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So talk about you know this and and maybe what impact you're hoping it's going to have on companies to help them hire and fill their positions faster or better. What, what what's really your you know what what problem are you trying to you know I guess solve or or to help them with. The, the challenge for companies looking to hire people um, and working through recruiters is often finding the right recruiter, mm. people that actually know um, about that particular role so that they can quickly, as well as also have a database of uh, their candidates uh, that they can present to them, and so that they also know how to, to vet them. They have the tools in place, right. uh, things like selection tests and you know the, the correct you know, um, interview questions, uh, things of that nature, to really really be able to help uh, expedite the process. 
Um, of course, you know, time to hire is, you know, is, is critical for employers. Uh, but and they're, they're reluctant to hire. Um, because they're not sure if really the right person has come along. Uh, whereas you have recruiting agencies that do specialize in their particular field and that they, they can really move the candidates through the, the pipeline that much more quickly. So it solves that problem for the, uh, for the hiring company. And I also usually have the opposite problem with time to hire. I'm ready to hire. You know, if they get me the right person, I'll, we'll, we'll grab them in a heartbeat. But it sometimes we'll take recruiters too much time, I think, to figure us out, right? To figure out what it is we're really looking for, even though we've told them up front, really figure out what is, this, we've, you know, what is the right candidate's experience or uh, way they're going to work, you know, as far as their personality goes to fit into our, our organization, those types of things. And it seems like it takes sometimes three months to get them even in the right ballpark, you know, and another two months to even start finding in those great candidates then that we can consider. Is that is that atypical or is it more that people are just you know, they're not sure. And so they're just, you know, they're, they're dragging their feet on really good candidates. The For the hiring companies, some of them are dragging their feet simply mm-hmm. because it's not a one-person decision in mm-hmm. most cases. So, you know, one person may think that's a great candidate, uh, you know, maybe two or three other people. Yeah, they're not sure they want to see more people. And it's always the see more. Let me see more right. and more of the, right. of the candidates. Uh, you know, it, it's there, there's no perfection in anything. But really what you're looking for are people who can actually do the job. Right. And that's... That's what it really is all about when you're hiring someone. So do the job. If they can do the job, they've proven they can do the job, why not pull the trigger? And I agree with you. If you can you can get over that part, if you can prove that they can do the job, whether that's through experience or some bit of uh, test or something you can have them do or some experience you can put them through with you to see that, you really should just move. I mean, it's almost like, uh, you know, I, I've gone shopping with people and they pick up the very first thing and they like it. And then they walk around for two hours looking at everything else and end up with the thing they looked at first, right? And it's like, you could have just bought the first thing and saved us two hours. We could have had a corn dog and a lemonade and got out of here, right? Exactly, right. Yeah. You know, and, and that's where the specialized recruiting agencies, that's where, that's where they shine because they, you know, they can present you, they don't need to present, you know, 30 candidates to you. They can present two to three maximum because they've already done all that vetting. Mm-hmm. They already know what the right person looks like for your organization because they asked you the right questions at the start. Right. So you you, you kind of mentioned that time to hire was a, a very key metric. Is there any mm-hmm. other key metrics that employers should be thinking about? Yes, time to productivity. Mm. And so what, if you're taking a lot of time to be able to to get somebody on board... What you have to do is be able to get them to become productive in a short amount of time to really shorten that ROI on right. on the recruiting process and all of that. And so if you have, if you're able to reduce that time to productivity by even a, a one-tenth, you could cover a lot of the costs in recruiting that, that individual or the training costs. or So you're really recouping that if you're really also focusing at time to productivity. And where you can shorten that time to productivity productivity is in hiring people who have proven to be able to do the job in the first place. And and that's a big one. And I, I don't know if, you know, sometimes people have that slow, you know, that time to productivity. Is that uh, part of the internal, you know, they have a big company and they've got to figure things out. You know, is it a lack of tools? I mean, I, I, I still run into companies that have people start and they don't even have 
you know, their computer ready. They don't have their email set up. They don't have like, any of the basic things they need to even just begin to do their jobs, right? And you can imagine hiring someone like a VP of marketing, VP of sales or something. Mm-hmm. And then if the organization hasn't taken the time to give everything that person needs to really be successful, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's the training, the access, the, you know, the right connections, the, all that, how could they possibly ever do their job well? And they're going to sit around for six months trying to fight and get that stuff for oh, them. Exactly. You know, this is also where internal talent acquisition folks and HR uh, can really help with that process. Develop a checklist of all the things that that new hire is going to need in advance of the job. Order their business cards, you know, order that get the company car if if that's involved in that. Laptops, computers, their workstations, get everything set up for them so that you can, again, shorten that time to productivity. I mean, I worked for a a very large corporation many years ago. And when I showed up on my first day of work, the hiring manager wasn't there. HR was in another city, so they weren't be, they weren't able to, to help right. me. The receptionist had no idea where I was supposed to go, and so I sat around for several hours doing nothing. When the hiring manager finally showed up, unapologetically, um, said, well, let's see if we can find somewhere to, to put you. And then it took another <laughs> six weeks to get my laptop. Wow. Before I could do anything. Wow. And, and I couldn't even do any of the training because I had to be able to log in to the system onto the laptop. So that was just lost money for, for them and for me because I'm in sales. Right. So I'd have sent you on a six week vacation uh, or, or right. even a training, gone to like a, tra- you know, out of a, the office train, something, right? right? Other than having you sit there or order the, laptop order the laptop <laughs> well you know listen i can't right. we can't fix everything <laughs> <laughs> but i like the vacation yeah, idea <laughs> yeah i mean I've, I've told people if you are not ready for them on day one tell them to take the day tell them i'm sorry we didn't get everything ready come in tomorrow why make them come in and do all this stuff and be frustrated they'd be far more appreciative to you to say i know we said come in on monday we didn't get it done come in on tuesday or come in on wednesday mm-hmm. uh, they'd be just even if you're going to pay them we'll pay you just you know, there's no reason to come here and get frustrated and have everybody upset. And, you know, I, it, people know in within the first few moments, in the first few hours, whether or not they're going to last another week or another month or they're, you know, going to start their job search again just by what happens right away. And that's... Oh, of course. Yeah. The onboarding process is yeah. so important. But it's... And, you know, in sales, it's also really important for um, if you bring a new sales rep into the into the organization, make sure that you have all your like meetings set up with, with key accounts, with the contacts there to really start integrating them. Because as soon as you can get them in front of those customers, the sooner they can start solving problems for that customer to start making more sales. So it's not just about wasting time and money on their on their wages during that period of time, but also what are the lost opportunities to the to the company? Uh, also, too, you know, if you've got a transition of salespeople and no one is doing much with them um, over, and it's taking a while to get in to see those those customers, you could be losing opportunities to your competitors as well. So one of the things I was interested in, in asking you is uh, as you have a good understanding of this space is you know at some point our economy will shift and history tells us we will have a I'll have our ups and downs and whether that's tomorrow or next year or 5 years from now or 20 whatever that time happens I think there's going to be a shift in right now there we have such low unemployment that part of the problem I see in our growth strategy with our clients is that they have open recs they can't fill and if they can't fill them they can't run background checks so we can't, you know, they're not right. running as many as they could because they don't have the talent to fill those positions. But 
if if there is a bit of a dip at some point, will there become more positions and will there be will the dip create a rise again or will it just be a dip and a big correction? And how does that impact uh, recruiters? So I'm not asking you to, to to give us a crystal ball from an economic standpoint, but when and if that happens, how do you feel like that impacts recruiters in relation to what's happening right now? Well, it really starts with the the hiring companies. They have to really look at, you know, who are their top performers? Um, because if the economy does retract, um, and so that the hiring, they may have to just let some people go, um, as we went through the, the last uh, recession. Um, so it's really identifying who are your, your top performers. If there are any gaps to fill, start looking for those people now. Because you're going to still, you have that time to hire and the time to productivity. So even if you're talking six months out and, you know, some are predicting mid-2020, perhaps a, a recession, which would mean that you'd have to really start your search now to, if you had some openings or if you're going to have to get some of underperforming employees, you need to get them in the pipeline now and start interviewing in order for them to be productive by the time a recession hits. Because if you bring in a new salesperson, for example, into during a time when the recession is, is starting or where there's a retraction in the economy, you're going to have that person not being able to be up to speed. They don't have the momentum to be able to carry them through that period of time. So that's what's important now, really being able to give them the opportunity of having momentum. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's a big thing. And really being able to identify who that talent is, who's the right people you need to keep, how will you, you know, I, I saw a lot of companies just make the strategy, we're just going to cut X, right? And they did it with <laughs> a right. pair of dull scissors. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Instead of a very sharp sword, right? And, and and really suffered for it. And really didn't come back as quickly as they could have when the things started changing because they had done, you know, really their recession uh, management so poorly. Well, yeah, and they they cut the wrong people sometimes, yeah. you know, because if you're not giving someone enough time to be able to get up to speed quickly because they don't have all the tools that they need, and that person ends up leaving when this could have been your star employee. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you have to, people need time to be able to get, to become productive. Right. I wanted to ask you about vetting salespeople because sometimes mm -hmm. they can be the easiest to see if they're performing and producing and, you know, to, to make a decision about, and they can also be the most difficult sometimes. I think you know, this sort of this, they can do a very good job of, of having this huge pipeline and all these potential opportunities, and maybe not ever closing. And so, and and also the the organization itself might not be providing the support and the and the tools and things that someone needs mm -hmm. to be successful. And they're such an important part of an organization. What do you see as really sort of those big determinants around you know whether or not someone is is going to do a good job, is doing a good job, and how do you really uncover some of that? You know, I, I read a, a book that was um, written by um, Herb, uh, I think, Greenberg from Caliper. He was, I think, the founder of, of Caliper. Caliper is a, a selection testing company. Mm, okay. and, and it was really interesting because they said that 80% of people in sales should not be in sales. <laughs> of the remaining 20%, 80% are selling the wrong thing. So people look at someone who has been successful in one area of sales and think that they can just automatically transition over to, to another uh, area. And that 
that's not not the case. Um, I mean, you see like the door knockers uh, that go around selling everything from pest control to alarm systems out there. That's a skill set. That's a very specific skill set. Right. I, I couldn't do it. And, you know, the same thing with like automotive sales, one-off sales versus being able to build relationships with Fortune 500 companies. Everyone has their sweet spot if they're a sales professional. But a lot of people approach a sales profession as this is a, something to fall back on if my other plans don't work in my, in my career. But sales is a profession just like medicine and law and everything else. And so it, but it's really identifying what are the specific competencies you know, required of that particular sales role. Everything is not equal with, with salespeople. So in being able to vet them, you have to first identify what competencies are required of that particular position. Mm -hmm. And what are the, you know, what, what are we selling also? Is it a, a tangible and intangible? And so, and being able to break it down that way. And then from that, once you have that, then you're able to actually test them on their ability to do that. Um, another way, too, in being able to identify great salespeople is ask them, what their accomplishments have been, and then ask them how they achieved it. I mean, any salesperson worth their salt, they want to tell you all of their success stories. You know, so, and those that cannot articulate that, these are people that, that really do not understand the sales process. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, then that we can certainly have um, salespeople we bring in and, and you might lose them. Uh, they certainly have, uh, I think, the highest turnover rate of, of any group I, I've seen historically. Um, why do you think this is? The, because of the expectations. Um, you know, you know, I'm sure there's been, you know, some people have been fibbed to by hiring managers, mm -hmm. you know, about, you know, what the situation really is. And then you get in on the other side and you find out that that's really not not the case. Um, you need the company needs to be brutally honest about what the circumstances are. One, one of my my best jobs that I ever had in, in sales and, and just with great people and everything else was I had the hiring manager during the interview tell me how horrible everything was and just what the company you know had gone through and what they were trying to resolve and all these things. I mean, it was just like anyone that, you know, you'd think, gosh, anybody with sense wouldn't take this job. But it turned out to just be one of my favorite jobs, you know, and because I knew what I was getting into and I knew how I could help. Right. So that was really important. Um, the other thing, too, is, you know, making sure that it's a sales oriented culture. Surprisingly, I mean, here, companies can't survive without sales. And yet, surprisingly, you have staff members in there that are undermining salespeople's efforts, you know, for whatever reason. And so a company can't survive very well, you know, operating like that. Well, and a lot of people would be surprised to hear that, but I will tell you that you can be a customer service-focused organization, and that's different than being a sales-focused organization. Oh. And uh, when you get into internal things inside the company, it, if you're customer service-focused first, um, it you can start to say, well, we can't take that account on, we can't do that thing, because we can't possibly ever service it. We can't possibly ever get our 10 out of 10 on our you know feedback score, because we're, everyone's focused. And it's not a bad thing to have that conversation, mm -hmm. but you have to be really clear about which one is it. Are we growing? Are we maintaining, right? What, what is our main focus here? And for some organizations, they can be customer service focused because they have some other engine or some other thing happening. I think Zappos is a good example of that, right? They have 
they have a product and service that they are offering that can go, and then their people can be customer service focused, right? Um, a service organization like me, we have to make a clear choice about yeah, which way right. we're going, right? Um, or you, because you, you can't, you can't juggle both at the same time. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- there'll be some conflicts uh, in in the process. Yeah. So in in that case, maybe sales then becomes account management. Um, mm, you know, more exactly. than you know where you're you're looking for organic growth. Uh, so. Uh, you know, people aren't cold calling. You're really just, you know, taking, making sure everybody is, is happy and, and growing what you already have. So if we want to sort of make sure that we don't have high turnover, well, I guess whether it's in salesperson or it's expanded beyond that, mm-hmm. and we also want to identify great salespeople, um, what, what, what's sort of the mechanisms here? I mean, we've talked a little bit about uh, being very clear about what the job is, being clear with the expectations, making sure people are have the tools and things mm-hmm. that they need. Uh, I would throw in, I think, certainly some good vetting, making sure they really have done the things they said they've done. Mm-hmm. What else are we missing here in the process? Uh, you know, the selection testing is, mm-hmm. is, is huge. A validated test specific for that role is, you know, is really invaluable um, because there's no really nowhere to hide, you know, for the candidate to hide. Also in being able to uh, get references to really and really understand, you know, to ask different questions, not just how do you think this person was, you know, performing, because a lot of the references that people furnish are not, um, you know, they weren't really involved in, in the... The, the daily um, activities with that person. Yeah, I mean, sometimes so, references are people about their character, right? And you can have someone who's the nicest person, who's the great, you would want to hang out and go have a beer with them anytime, but they're it, a crappy salesperson. Exactly. <laughs> so it, it it really, like in sales, um, because the company is also selling itself to the, to the candidate, it's asking the right questions mm-hmm. um, and and then having them back it up with examples on everything that they're doing. So and that's even a, of their references. So you can ask that question. Yeah. You know, it's I mean, yeah, again, character. Yes, that's certainly important. But you can ask them specific questions like what do you know about how this particular account was brought into the company? Right. And if they have no. If they have no information about it, okay, well, then you can discount, you know, like anything that, that they may be saying in terms of, you know, how great they think this person is in sales. Because you're really looking for somebody who can, you know, to, to give them some real insight uh, from the, the point of view of, you know, like from, yes, management, customer service, um, you know, finance. I mean, all of those, those different areas. So, but, um, no, it, it's, yeah, um, Ask questions, ask the right questions, test them, um, and make sure that they can articulate what they're, how they actually achieved what they achieved. Yeah, yeah. Well, you already mentioned uh, one great book, uh, but are you reading a, a new one now that you might share with us? You know, I am. I actually just started a, a book uh, by Dr. Edith Ager. Uh, she wrote uh, the choice, Embrace the Possible. So I just started this. She's a uh, Holocaust uh, survivor, and uh, she's, uh, she's a practicing um, uh, psychotherapist, I think, here in La Jolla. And she was talking about how um, her mother gave her some really some great words of wisdom as they were hauling her mother off to the gas chambers. And she said, you know, no one can take away from you what you put in your mind. And so that just kind of resonated with me um, because, I mean, this one, she's she's 92 now. She she wrote the book when she was 91. Wow. So. 
yeah, embrace the possible. Wow. I can't even imagine. Yeah. <laughs> if we get 91, he'd be like, you know, do you, I think I love that kind of spirit that someone thinks they start a project like that at 91 and says, I'm going to be around when this is done. I'm going to keep writing. I'm going to be here. And I mean, that kind of most people I meet at 91 aren't thinking that way. So um, that's pretty that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I just wrote a blog post about this, actually, okay. about her her experience. Yeah. So um, um, when she was uh, on the death march. She had, uh, um, a few months before that, uh, Dr. Mengele, mm-hmm. the, the angel of death, uh, he had asked her to dance for him. And when she was done, he gave her a loaf of bread. And just, even though she was hungry, she went back to her barracks and she shared the bread with uh, the other women there. Um, she didn't realize, she was just being who she was. A few months later, she had a broken back. She was suffering from all these illnesses. She's on the death march. She struggled to, to walk. And they, um, the women formed a chair with their hands, and they carried her the rest of the way. Wow. And she said, in cooperation, you can achieve the goals, not wow. in competition. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Well, I'm sure people would love to check that blog post out. Um, how can they find out more about you? Where can they find that? What's the best way for them to, to find out more about everything you're doing? Sure. Yes. I mean, you can uh, look up SalesFit Staffing on uh, on LinkedIn. Um, and I put the blog post uh, there as well and also in general uh, LinkedIn. And uh, my, the web address is salesfitstaffing.com. Um, and uh, my phone number, 888-417-6057. Well, I'm sure people would love to, to connect with you and read that blog post. It sounds really interesting. Uh, I guess the, the final thing, if, if someone only heard you say one thing today, if they somehow weren't paying attention for most of it, mm-hmm. uh, and they only heard one thing, what's the one thing you hope they might take away with them from today's conversation? Ask the right questions. I think that's perfect. That's perfect. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for being on, coming back and being on the show again today. Really enjoyed everything that we talked about and really appreciate you giving everyone so many uh, great things to think about. Right. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Uh, hopefully you've uh, learned something you can take away and use your own career in a positive way. Um, and it looks like maybe next week I won't be having a live show. I'm not sure why, but apparently that's what it says. So maybe I'm traveling. Anyways, um, until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.